The Champions League's group stage was full of twists and turns with great stories and magnificent goals. Nails were bitten, there were some fabulous drops from coaches and even though they didn't reach the last 16, Shakhtar Donetsk did themselves and their country proud. Among all of the usual league action this weekend, we're also having a quick look ahead to the knockout phase of the Champions League. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. My betting champion is Mark O'Hare, who's been ensconced in his underground lair 24-7 to find the best bets. Mark, let's take a look at the outrights for the Champions League. I know it's going to change a bit because of Monday's draw, but I think it's instructive just to have a little look anyway. Manchester City, the clear favourites at 3.1. You've got Bayern getting a lot of love, having won all six group games at seven. Paris, hilariously didn't win their group, so they're 9.6. Liverpool, with all of their issues at the moment, on exactly the same price. Uh, Real Madrid, to me, stick out like a sore thumb at 13. I think they look very good indeed. And everybody's darlings, Napoli, are 18. What strikes you about the market and what you've seen so far in the competition? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's quite interesting to look at them now. Um, I think we'll get the caveats out of the way first. As you say, we don't know the draw. Uh, we're also about three months away until we play knockout football. We've got the World Cup in between, a transfer window too. So for me, it's not a time to be entering the market unless you've got a really strong opinion. Um, I think Man City, clearly, deservedly fair favourites. PSG, understandably drifting after losing top spot in the group and arguably having a much more difficult route now to the final if they were to get there, um, playing a, a group winner. Um, but also, I guess, Liverpool as well. Not a team you can trust right now, but who knows where they're going to be at in three months' time. And, and that's the, the issue, really, when trying to look at these prices. So you're probably looking for a side who you think might improve enough in the coming three months to play above the odds that they currently are. Um, so I think the sides around 50 to 1 or larger will probably find it a bit too difficult to, to navigate these these latter stages. So you do sort of look towards and gravitate yourselves towards the sort of top of the end of the market. I haven't named a couple. You've mentioned Real Madrid. Uh, agree. Uh, it's very difficult to sort of dismiss them out of hand. You just can't, the... can you? You just you can't. can't because if you do, they'll just go, oh, oh, really? We can't win the Champions League. Well, have a look at this. I mean, last <laughs> season's run is the most insane run I think I've ever seen in the Champions League. But to me, they look stronger now than they did then because of the young players they've signed, the development of Vinny Junior. I think they look great. Uh, yeah, I, I think they I think they look good. Um, I'm still... I've still got a question marks over the, the defensive system at the minute. They're leaking too many goals and I wonder how they'll cope when they come up against a, a really elite opponent. Um, you know, they met Barcelona at a fairly decent time uh, in the Clasico and then you look at the, the group that they're in, they weren't massively tested and even if they, even if you say, well, Leipzig went to the Bernabeu and, and gave them a really good game, Madrid came through it. So I, I still want to see a bit more from them in, in the defensive phase of things, but... I kind of look at the two Premier League teams towards the top end. I should mention Napoli. I think it, Napoli, what they've done so far is, is wonderful. Are they going to get better between now and March? It's hard to get better than what they've already achieved. And I think if you're not on Napoli at big prices already, now's probably not the time you want to get involved. So uh, I look towards the two Premier League teams who are, by some people, underperforming. Chelsea and Tottenham. 
Chelsea, you know, Graham Potter's gone in there. He'll be well settled by the time the knockout stages come around. The players will be adjusted to his tactical systems and, and strategies. And they're not the finished article right now. They might not be come March. But in terms of an all-round team, you expect them to be in a much better place than they are right now. And obviously, we've got a transfer window in there. They could easily go out and buy a world-class striker in January, which is probably an area where they need to, to strengthen or, or get someone in who's a bit more reliable and consistent. They've got a deep squad. Um, if injuries, you know, key players are unavailable right now. If they're back and available, you've kind of got to respect them because of their own history too. Uh, and Tottenham as well, who people might laugh and, and scoff at, but it um, doesn't really matter how they got there. They're in the knockout stages. Conte's Champions League record isn't good, obviously, but um, I, I think that sometimes he gets a, an unfair kind of um, assessment because of because of that. But I think certain, certain circumstances in his past have kind of gone against him. But this current Tottenham team, if they are fit, available and, avail- and going in it, kind of arriving in better form. I think stylistically, knockout football could actually suit them playing on the counter-attack. You assume Richarlison and Kulazewski are, are available again. Selling that, that front sort of four or five available um, is quite formidable, really. And, you know, Tottenham, can they get any worse than they are right now? <laughs> probably results-wise, but I think in terms of a, a watching brief, probably not. So I can only see Spurs possibly improving and, and Chelsea improving too. So and therefore, I think the prices, when you compare it with Liverpool, really, they're basically double the price. Um, I think there's personally a bit of improvement in both teams, so those prices might be driven down. But uh, ultimately, I think City fair favourites and Real Madrid deserve massive respect. Otherwise, I, I, dis- I sort of wouldn't get involved right now. Champions League returns, by the way, on February the 14th, Valentine's Day. So good luck explaining that to your significant other. Uh, We had a supercomputer. It was very expensive. It did all of the number crunching for us. But then we sold it because we realised we didn't need it because we have betting expert Mark Stinchcombe instead. Stinch, looking at the markets, has your opinion changed? I know you've said with Napoli... Basically, if you're thinking about Napoli now, you're effectively standing at the dock watching the ship go into the distance because it's too late now, isn't it? Um, I'd say it's too late on the way like I would bet on a long-term market because you're tying up money for a long period of time. So you need to be absolutely sure that you're, you are getting a nice big slice of value. You can still argue that there is value in in their price if you you know if you were to say that Napoli are the second or third best team in Europe well why aren't they second or the third best team in the betting um, so there is that train of thought but Mark is right like between now and February their price isn't going to move a lot so if you do want to get on them I think there's no you can you can wait um, until January February time and if they're still playing as well they'll be a similar price and then also you know who they've got in the knockouts as well um if they do pull out you know a weaker tie then yes obviously their price will come in a little bit but i think you're better off waiting and seeing and to be honest and and we'll probably discuss them again in february um anyway so you know um i think it's, it makes sense to wait and see i thought uh leipzig were an interesting price of 50 to 1 you know you yeah. take them each way you get 25s they make the final marco rosa has just got them scoring goals for absolute fun since he's since he's come in and took over you know you've got 
you've got, the attacking talent you've got there is not out of place in a Champions League favourite. They wouldn't be out of place at Man City at all. You know, Werner, Nkunku, Andre Silva, Shobosly, Danny Olmo, Forsberg, Poulsen. You know, that's a number of quality players to call upon there. And we know their, we know their model. They buy young players who, who do improve. Mark's mentioned about players getting better, systems getting better. So I thought at a big price, obviously, I think you do wait and see. You know, if they were to draw Man City, for example, then you wouldn't want to back them 50s each way. But if they if they were to pull out Club Brugge or so, um, sorry, whoever uh, finished top in in that group, um, Porto, you know, yeah, if they exactly. get Porto, then 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 chance. then it's a much better bet than uh, than Man City or one of the other big guns. So yeah, I would I would wait for the draw because the draw uh, will have an effect on on the odds. Frankfurt at two thirty on the exchange. Wow. I think they probably will get knocked out, but they're fun. And you never know. They've already surprised me by how far they've got. Uh, Trader and tipster Emmett O'Keefe is with us. Emmett, the draw will impact things. No doubt about that. The guys are absolutely right about having a watching brief. But in terms of what you've seen from the group stages, are there any teams that are better than you thought? Are there any teams that are worse than you thought? Yeah, I think... Um, we would agree with the lads in terms of uh, Leipzig, Leipzig and Tottenham. I think they just I think they they have a lot of scope for improvement and kind of the and kind of after the break when we see them when we see them improve under Rose and Tottenham get their players back, we, we, I think they 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 definitely have the potential to outrun their odds. In terms of the points to me, the standout team that kind of have I've changed my opinion on the most would definitely be Benfica. Like Benfica are now maybe thirty four in the exchange. Yeah, uh, having come, come into the tournament that. They, they would have been kind of over a hundred to one. Like just for the listeners who might not know this, like they, they, they drew home and away to PSG, but actually won the XG battle in both matches. Like which is a significant achievement. Like they, Juventus clearly aren't the team they were beating them home and away pretty conclusively. That's again, I, I think that's that's a pretty solid achievement. And and again, like if if the kind of knockout stages were next week. I think Benfica could be a dangerous team, but they'll be they'll be one I'll be monitoring to see to see their to see their form after 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 the World Cup because they've been they've been incredible they've been incredibly impressive. Just to kind of kind of outline as well, in the Champions League it's always there's always two seasons in the Champions League with the break um, with the break in between. I think that was best illustrated a couple of years ago when when Chelsea under under Frank Lampard kind of which changed from Frank Lampard Thomas Tuchel, so you were kind of going from maybe a bottom half level English manager to one of the top, maybe six or seven coaches in Europe. And then we saw massive improvement there. So I think if you're looking at the outright markets, I'd be looking firstly at kind of the form that teams come back in after the World Cup and injuries and fitness. But also I think I think, I think which which clubs are going on the transfer market, given the way Conte is trying to kind of pressure Daniel Levy, I'd expect them to sign maybe a holding midfielder or a wing back, which again I think could could could, could potentially improve them. It needs somebody to come in for Emerson Royale, surely, uh, because I think having him uh, as part of the starting eleven is maybe uh, not the way to go. I do worry with them that they are a little bit passive at the start of games, but that might be something that he sorts out. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.com. 
Org. Let's get into Saturday's domestic action then. Manchester City can return to the top of the Premier League if they be a Fulham team that's looked really good, actually, in recent games. Mark, I'll start with you. Let's start with Fulham, actually, because I've commentated on a couple of their games recently and you kind of watch them a little bit more closely with the mic in your hand. And they're really good fun and very well organised, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget. I know we're, we're in November now, but it's easy to forget that they are a newly promoted club as well. Um, they're playing like they've uh, kind of been in the Premier League for a while and they've equipped themselves really, really well. Hugely impressed by the work that Marco Silva's done in, in reinventing Fulham, actually, uh, particularly from last season when they had the promotion campaign. Uh, I'm sure Cottagers fans won't mind me saying this, but they were one of the most boring teams to follow in the championship because they just controlled the game, uh, didn't give many teams an opportunity and had Mitrovic at the other end to kind of finish opportunities at a, a sky-high rate, really. But uh, I think he's recognised throughout the summer that they can't really compete in the Premier League playing in that same man manner. So they've switched systems. Um, they're being much more proactive and positive in their game plan, which I think has caught quite a few teams quite cold, actually. Um so, yeah, I think the surprise factor might have, have kind of started to dissipate a little bit, but um, I still think they're a danger. I love the midfield balance that they've got there. Paulinho and, and Pereira particularly have been outstanding uh, since they've joined the club. But uh, this is going to be a difficult test for them, I think, because I do think they'll have a go. And I think that lends itself to, to Man City possibly putting a few goals past them. Um, so I was looking at Man City to score over one and a half first half goals here, which is uh, 2.4, which is... Uh, a lot bigger than I expected it to be, mainly because we're expecting Erling Haaland to come back into the team after missing the last two matches. Um, you'd imagine he'll be quite keen to get back to scoring ways, get back out on the pitch. Um, if he's not available, obviously I wouldn't be as keen on this selection, but he was rested against Sevilla with Pep saying he had Saturday in mind as a return date and he wasn't going to push him too, too soon. So the odds basically imply we've got about a 42% chance of City scoring twice before half-time. I think that gives us a bit of wriggle room there because it's a bet that's already paid out in five of their six Etihad games in the Premier League. They've scored 14 goals um, in that six-game sample, uh, which is obviously quite small. I appreciate that, but uh, they're actually averaging... Were almost 1.6 expected goals in the first half at home this season. They've scored twice or more against a good Brighton team, as well as Man United, obviously, too, and two promoted teams already. So I don't see any reason why they can't do similar to a Fulham team who, yeah, they, they play pretty well. But I think Pep will, will know that his team um, can probably exploit. Uh, you say Fulham have been organised. They have been, I think, more so at Craven Cottage. I think they can be caught out away from home uh, where they try to be a little bit expansive and been sort of play into teams' hands. Apart from the nil-nil draw at Wolves on the opening day, they've conceded at least two goals in all five of their following away days and they're giving up 2.13 expected goals per game on average away from home, which is far from ideal. It's very much towards the top end of the Premier League figures. Uh, not ideal when you're meeting you know, one of Europe's most potent attacks with or without Haaland. So uh, I think this is what the matings of being a really good game, actually. And I was... Uh, expecting a high-scoring showdown, expecting Man City to come out on top. Wouldn't be putting anyone off City to win and both teams to score, but I did think the price was a bit too stingy to get involved there. I think the market already expects Fulham to, to cause problems, as Brighton did here a couple of weeks back. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take a, a punt on City starting this match fast and Haaland you know, leading the line and getting amongst the goals. So City to score over one and a half first half goals at 2.4. I've particularly enjoyed William jumping in his time machine and going back 10 years. That's been really good fun. Uh, he's been excellent for Fulham and Harrison Reed, very good in midfield as well. Emmett, how do you see this one? Mark's absolutely right. Fulham do give you a chance. There's no 
doubt about that, but everybody knows their jobs. They might not be able to do them to the best of their ability, but it's a team that seems at peace with itself. Absolutely. Kind of just to kind of expand on that, like the kind of, if you want to, the job, the basic job of any manager is to get the absolute most of the players at his disposal. We saw under Scott Parker, Mitch, which was kind of a bit of a bit part player. He was kind of leaving him out in away matches and he wasn't a guaranteed starter. Whereas Marco Silva has him breaking records in the championship and he's been one of the best five or six strikers in the Premier League this year. Like Andres Pereira, again, bit, like very much a bit part player in my United. Totally different player. No, I mean, He's been extraordinary this season. Exactly. This is the, I was looking at this, I couldn't believe this when I saw this earlier. In the key pass statistic in the Premier League, in the top five in that statistic are Kevin De Bruyne, James Madison, Bruno Fernandes and Mo Salah. And second is Andres Pereira. So I think like, which, so that that's you, you you know you know when you're that kind of company how how well you're performing I think so and a lot of like I would give a lot of credit to Silva because he's really maxim, maximizing those players and in terms of bet for this game the angle I liked was again you want you're not guaranteed guaranteed to get a bet here but the way I, I would play it is I back Kevin De Bruyne to score first at six to one and I would probably cash out if if Haaland's a starter here the thinking is we saw last week against Leicester De Bruyne had five shots and two shots on target against Leicester when, when Haaland didn't play. Last season, De Bruyne actually did his highest ever goal tally in the Premier League. He scored 15 goals, playing in a more forward role, because obviously City didn't have a designated striker. But with Alvarez in and Haaland out, we will we'll see De Bruyne playing in that role again, playing, 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 playing more forward threat, because Pep will know he needs him as more of a goal threat. So if... If 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 Haaland doesn't start, I think six to one is is good value on De Bruyne. With Haaland, I think there's a good chance uh, De Bruyne will also be on penalty duty, given Riyad Mahrez has missed missed his last couple and, and De Bruyne scored scored his last season. Yeah, and just I think I think in, in a game where City are kind of a very short odds favourite, I think six to one is a very fair price. Brighton on a high after their 4-1 win over Chelsea. Boy, they enjoyed that. Uh, and they booed Graham Potter relentlessly. I'm not sure I'm overly happy about that. Uh, Brighton go to Wolves, though, Stinch. Wolves in a bit of a mess still. Still trying to get Julian Lopetegui to the club by the look of it, uh, look of it as they have been for quite some time. How do you see this one going? Yeah, it's about, is it about four years now they've been trying to get Lopetegui? Yeah. <laughs> They'll get him in the end. <laughs> um, when he's 90, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I mean, Wolves chalked up as 9-4. to four. I don't think anybody be, can, can be backing Wolves at, at these prices. So I'm happy to oppose Wolves again, to be honest. They've, they failed to win 18 of their last 20 Premier League matches. They've scored just six goals in 13. Top goal scorer is Ruben Neves, who scored half of those, but... He, there's an, his XG is just 1.43, despite one of them being a penalty. So you take that out, and it's you know it's an even lower chances that he's actually taking. And you look just at the to base. explain that stinch is that because he bangs it from long range? Is that is that why effectively? Yeah, 22 shots this season, 20 have come from outside the area. So generally, in my mind, you know, proactively as a football team trying to win the match, you got the ball on the edge of the box. You should be looking to develop the attack as you would if you played for City or Liverpool or one of the other teams that played proactively. Whereas there's just not that fluidity at Wolves, so he's resorting to shooting. And obviously he is good at shooting, um, but long term it's just not feasible 
to to expect him to score every week essentially or, or on a regular basis um so you know that that we we know where their issues are, are coming in front of goal and obviously we know defensively they're not been fantastic either they conceded 19 and they conceded at least two goals in five of the last seven games as well which is the the part the end of the the lager era and the the arrival of davis so there's something that really needs to be sorted out at both ends of the pitch with wolves and obviously now diego costa got sent off last week so now he's going to be suspended so he'll be missing along with Jimenez and Kalajdzic up front Pedro He's Neto. usually so well behaved Diego Costa that was a real shock wasn't it that he would just headbutt somebody twice I'm really surprised I think uh, Emmett should price up uh, do a match bet uh, Costa cards versus goals um, yeah. yes how many right. how many he would get this season uh, I suspect cards would be favourite especially after the red um, but yeah like uh, yeah I mean it was a panic move isn't any way getting him in wasn't it given that he's completely unfit uh, he hadn't played since December I don't think it was so yeah um, you know and, and also he's getting in the head in the team ahead of Guedes who obviously they paid a lot of money for even if you don't fancy Guedes like come on like he's got to be a better option in terms of starting the match and yeah okay maybe you've been Costa on later on but yeah just I think it's just obviously as we discussed there's a complete lack of a plan there um, and it's likely they're also going to be without their midfield destroyer Matias Nunes he picked up a shoulder injury last weekend um, and he rates ranks quite highly in tackles fouls and interceptions so he obviously helps break up the game you talked up Brighton at the beginning there, but they have only actually won one match under De Zerbi in six. But, you know, that's a fixture list that contains Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs. And despite that fixture list, they won the expected goals battle in all but one of those v City. So actually, it's same old Brighton, really. Um, dominate, dominate the chance creation, but they don't actually end up finding the back of the net. And mainly down to Danny Welbeck, zero goals in his 11 games. But what has been impressive is that chance creation. Two or more expected goals in, in four of those those six games. So, yeah, just been unlucky, really. So, I think the bet here, again, is to oppose Wolves at the prices and, and back Brighton minus a quarter, around about 1.92. So, if it finishes in a draw, you get half your stake back. Uh, the other bet that's got me quite excited is Danny Welbert didn't play last weekend. And that's the game, that obviously, they beat Chelsea 4-1. I'm not going to read too much into that. But one thing I will massively read into is Leandro Trossard played as a striker in that game. And he obviously scored uh, very early on. He's 3-1 to one to score any time this weekend. And if he starts as a striker, that's an absolutely enormous price. He's, he's got 11 goals in his last 18 games. But 10 of those matches, he played left wing back. It's an absolute incredible return. He's, and he's crazy good though, isn't he? He's yeah, I re- really... I really, I really hope he starts with Belgium in the World Cup. Really, really hope he does because then we can start, you know, really getting exciting about top goal scorer prices, top Belgian scorer, anytime prices in the in in his matches. You know, you're going to back one, you got to back all of them, really. So uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he does start. That would be really good. Um, and yeah, really, really impressive. He scored against all of the big six in in this run, which is incredible. As I say, most of those has come as left wing back. You know, hat trick at Anfield. Just un- unbelievable, really. Um, he's averaging 2.8 shots per game this season, but obviously quite a few of them have come as a wing back. But actually, he's 2.5 of those have come inside the box, which um, I speak about this quite a lot. But if they're coming inside the area and I'm backing a goal scorer, very, very happy. Anything, you know, remotely close to two. So 2.5 is great. And you look at him last weekend against Chelsea, he had six shots, four of them on target, and he clocked up an expected goals total of 1.58. Now, 
in betting there's a lot of chatter about expected goals but sometimes you know maybe without a bit of context if you were to convert that 1.58 expected goals total into odds we'd be looking at odds of him one to four to score if he was given that amount of chances he's three to one anytime this weekend now i'm not saying it's likely he will guarantee uh, a figure anywhere near that it, you know it's more likely to be less than one but just playing in that central striker position, you know, you're going to be in and around the area constantly. He's obviously very good at getting himself into the positions for his teammates to receive the ball. And given the fact that his team is hovering over evens to, to, to win the game, in my mind, if for a central striker, you're looking at sort of a default prize, probably about seven to four, maybe 15 to eight. So to get three to one on Trossard, even if he plays as one of the two behind, if Welbeck comes back in, if he plays the attacking midfielder there, again, you maybe you just move that price back a little bit, maybe two to one, nine to four. So I just think three to one is really, really nice. And yeah, as as you kind of allude to a lot, like I think it's very sustainable to back him every week, given the red hot form he's in. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be uh, banging the Nkunku drum later on. <laughs> now, uh, as you know, all of the cool kids listen to the sh- Sunday show. We've told you this. There's loads of stuff on the Sunday show this week. We've got loads of good European games. Uh, we've got Chelsea, Arsenal. We've got Tottenham, Liverpool. But the really cool kids listen to both shows because they know the Saturday show has Scott Watch with Mark O'Hare. Mark, take it away. Um, cool, we're going to go to uh, Scottish League 2 again, uh, the shiny lights of the fourth tier in Scotland. There's no better place really, I think, to be having a bet this weekend than Scotland's League 2 because it's serving up such great entertainment. We talk about it week on week in terms of the goals per game output, so overs clocking, B- BTTS banking, um, actually over two and a half goals and both teams scoring has banked in 57% of all games in Scottish League 2 this season, which shows how good fun it's been uh, taking the same angle then again over to enough goals on both teams to score Stenhouse Muir against East Fife um, East yes. Fife who featured on last week's show uh, triumphing 2-1 over Elgin who had 10 men for the majority of that match they've now won three on the spin they've conceded in all three of those they're up in third they're unbeaten away from home in six this season they've scored 15 goals in those six away games five of six games going over three and a half and five of six seeing both teams scoring uh, over the full campaign, they've scored in 10 of 12. They've kept just two clean sheets, seen Oversland in 9 of 12. And now they're coming up against basically the league's most goal-heavy side in Stenhouse Muir, who sit just one place below them in the table. They're seeing an average of 3.75 goals per game so far across their first 12 matches. 11 of 12 have gone over 2.5, 7 of 12 over 3.5. They scored in 11, um, but just kept the one clean sheet as well in that 12-game sample. BTTS obliging in 10 of 12. And their last nine matches read 2-2, 1-3, 2-2, 2-4, 1-2, 3-3, 3-1, 1-2 and 1-3. So outside of the league leaders Sterling, these two teams are the highest scoring in the division. Uh, their defensive records are nothing to write home about. I think they've managed three clean sheets between them all season. Collectively, over two and a half goals has banked in 20 of 24. And BTTS and over two and a half goals has combined to occur in 18 of those 24, which is a 75% hit rate. And we're getting even money on a repeat. So Stenhouse Mule versus East Fife over two and a half goals and both teams scoring. Got an email here from Nicholas Sturgeon saying, can you thank Mark uh, for the excellent publicity for Scotland? The visitor numbers are going <laughs> through the roof. So happy to help, Nicola. Thanks for getting in touch. Uh, let's uh, go over to Germany shall we? Augsburg against Eintracht Frankfurt. 
I, I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, do, why do we care about Augsburg and Trek Frankfurt? Emmett O'Keefe will tell you. Yeah, exactly. I think I think there's probably a bit a bit of value in, in, in Eintracht Frankfurt. I think I kind of we, we kind of people. I think probably there was a bit of thinking in Germany before the season that they might not be able to s- sustain last season after kind of winning the Europa League. But the kind of the, they, they they were they were very impressive in uh, beating beating Sport Lisbon away from home during the week and qualifying from their Champions League group. And they look kind of a, gen, a genuine contender for for top four in, in Germany this year. Mario Gutz is actually having a career in Aisance, and I was I was I was reading recently he could be on the verge of a of a kind of a romantic recall to the German World Cup squad. And I think and despite being thirteenth in the table, their opposition this weekend Augsburg Augsburg are second in, are second last in the league and expected goals they're kind of they're in a slightly false position here and and kind of a, 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 a win price of around 1.8 and Eintracht Frankfurt is decent but I'd, I'd prefer to boost it to um, 3.0 on Eintracht Frankfurt to win and both teams to score six of Eintracht Frankfurt's nine wins in the league and Champions League came with them conceding and two, two to one looks a more than fair price here yeah Augsburg are uh... A strange team, really, because they've adopted this attacking style in the last few weeks and largely it has worked. But yeah, the XG data uh, doesn't reflect the fact that they've they've had some good performances. But yeah, Frankfurt have been excellent so far this season. Had a shaky start, but they've played their way through and they've done ever so well. Now, if I'd have said to you at the start of the season, it's going to be a battle in early November in Serie A between two title contenders. And I'd have told you it'll be Atalanta and Napoli. You'd have thought I was crazy. But that is the case, Stinch. Both of these two have been just outstanding so far this season. Yeah, and we can't have a pub without talking about Napoli, right? The just absolute um, goal fest that they're involved in and, and more more pertinent to us. We, we seem to be getting plenty of winners out of them. So, yep, going back to the well again, as you say, uh, second v first this weekend. Uh, Napoli, uh, slight favourites here, around about six to five. Um, which is completely understandable given given how they've been playing. Um, they've they've won 15 of 18 matches this season. They scored a whopping 50 goals already. They've they've conceded just 15. So again, I've seen no reason not to try and get them on side. I'm, I'm looking at Napoli minus a quarter, around about 1.89 on the on the exchange. So if it finishes in a draw, I get half my stake back. It's definitely worth noting that Atalanta, as you, as we talked about, are second and they're undefeated in 11 of the last 12 games in Syria. But I feel the gap is much bigger than than what is being portrayed as, as second v first. I mean, Napoli have scored over 50% more goals than, than Atalanta. And no surprise, Napoli topped the charts with shots per game. Napoli having over 19 per match. Atalanta averaged just 11.7. That's just the 14th most in Serie A. Um, Napoli second for fewer shots conceded. So they're creating lots of shots and they're doing really well to restrict the opposition. Atalanta just 12th in terms of conceding shots. So... Atalanta very much overachieving, I would say, a little bit. And you look at the goal scoring market for this match, and seven of the nine favourites play for Napoli. Now, if if the if the goal scorers are all are all shorter odds than than the opposition, then why aren't Napoli stronger favourites? I mean, the two Atalanta players, Luis Muriel and, and Duvan Zabata, they've got one goal between them. So, it's yes, Atalanta Lookman who's been carrying the the attacking burden, isn't it? Yeah, and Coop Miners, who is obviously on penalties, so that's inflating his total. 
Um, but you've looked at the the way the game's priced up. The odds suggest Atalanta expected to score 1.25 goals, Napoli 1.65. I just think there's a bigger st- disparity and a bigger potential for for the for the game to go in, in Napoli's favour here. You know, thinking minimum maybe Napoli 2-1. So for me, that means I think Napoli should be a should be a shorter price. And we talk so much about Napoli, and they've done most of their great work without you know the star striker in Victor Osman, who, who's now back as well. So to have the choice of him, Simeon only Raspadori in that in that number nine position is is a great uh, selection headache really for for Spalletti uh, so yeah again just going to keep backing that back in Napoli um, while while the odds are, are there and and the opposition are not as great as the the odds suggest well let me just reach down here what's down here ah it's the Christopher and Kunku drum boom 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 so He's 2.88, folks, this weekend to score. Now, RB Leipzig are going to Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim are a good side. Uh, they're strong at home. Uh, I, they they lost to Bayern at home recently, but they gave them a decent game. So Leipzig won't have loads of chances, I don't think, necessarily in this one. But Nkunku has scored in his last four games. He scored in seven of his last nine. Leipzig are probably playing their best football of the season. They had a game that they had to make sure they didn't lose in midweek against Shakhtar Donetsk, and they blew them away. And Kunku scored in that game, uh, blew up a balloon. So he's even having to think of crazy goal celebrations now because he's scoring so often. So Christopher and Kunku, 2.88 on the sportsbook uh, to score at any time in this game. If you hang on and wait a bit closer to kickoff, the exchange price will pop up and it will probably be even a bit bigger because you often find that that's the case so definitely keep an eye on that one it's one where they're up against tough opposition but at that price I don't think that's a price you can ignore now it's worth bearing in mind you can get a five pound free bet by staking a five pound bet builder on Tottenham against Liverpool T's and C's in the description 18 plus see gambleaware.org on the Sunday show we'll have a full preview of that game we'll be putting together our own little bet builder just as a guide for you. Now it's time for Mark My Words, where our very own Mark O'Hare comes up with a European nap ahead of the weekend's action. Cette semaine, c'est un pari de la Liga avec le match entre toi et Ozer. You got all that, Mark. So uh, it's a game with toi and Ozer. It is, yeah. Uh, this is a, a derby, actually, on Friday night uh, from Liga. Uh, it's uh, got a wonderful name, the Derby de la N77. I'm sure you can work out why that is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's only about an hour between the two teams, which is a pretty short distance in terms of French football. So expecting quite a... Is this like Palace and Brighton? Is it, is, is it this <laughs> kind of weird? I don't place? know the history of it. I think it's just purely they're connected by a long road. So um, yeah. yeah, they're different regions as well. I don't really know, to be honest. But um, I'm expecting a an entertaining game, put it that way. Um, Toi probably hit a few headlines last week by scoring three goals in defeat against PSG and uh, probably piqued a few people's interest too but that's that's kind of just um, par really for Toi that's how they approach matches so far this season under Bruno Isles they're, they're very much front foot they're very proactive plenty of flair in the team and, and they like to have a go at teams um, they failed to score just twice now this season uh, for a team who were you know, being rumoured as being one of the, the main candidates for, for relegation this season. They've been playing wonderful football. They've scored twice or more on eight occasions in, in 13 league fixtures already, um, doing so quite regularly on home soil too. They've got the best attack in the bottom half. And actually, when you look at the goals for tally, 
Tuara have scored 24 so far this season. Only well, Monaco and Lille have scored just one goal more than them, which kind of goes to show how well they've been functioning in forward areas. The issue is being so gung-ho does leave you exposed and Tuara have conceded in every game and only rock bottom Angers have scored have conceded more goals than Tuara. Um, and eight of their 13 opponents have also scored twice or more. So overall, 11 of their 13 games have seen both teams score oblige. I think the same will occur again on Friday night when they host uh, Auxerre. So, Auxerre have already changed their coach this season, a newly promoted team, but they've been trying to play football in a proactive manner um, since they did make the managerial change. They're only two points outside the drop zone, but only one point behind Tuar as well. So, it's going to be quite a competitive game. Got their first clean sheet since August last week, but that was only against uh, Ajaccio, and they're basically the worst attack in, in French football. So, I don't expect them to continue that run this weekend. Um, and yeah, I think they're, they're very much capable of, of making their mark on this match. They've only failed to score twice themselves. Nine of 13 have seen both teams scoring. But away from home, they are pretty loose. Uh, they've conceded twice or more in five of six. Um, only uh, the defence is also, you know, if you look at the, the recruitment that they made in the summer after promotion, they've strengthened a few areas, but they've left the defence untouched, really. And you, you can really tell it's a league de defence. And, and goalkeeper Benoit Costil has, has been their best player so far this season, which kind of goes to show how things are going in that re in that respect. So, But I do think they can make the mark. Twire always give you opportunities. And I think Orzera have got enough about them to, to get on the score sheet in what should be quite an entertaining game on Friday night. As I say, it's a bit of a derby, so hopefully a few cars on show too. But uh, if you combine over two and a half goals and both teams to score, you're getting 2.3, which is a, a really tasty price. Remember, Ligue 1 has been really good for goals this season, very entertaining. Most teams in this division are now having a go and being led by proactive managers too, including these two. So I'm hoping for a bit of entertainment in this one. Merci beaucoup, Marc. C'est un pari formidable, sans doute. And that, folks, is what an A-level education gets you. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so famous that Matt Hancock will be presenting it after he's finished in the jungle. How it works is that the three guys come up with a selection each ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett wrap it up for you in a boosted treble. And Emmett, I will start with you. Yeah, for reasons that I'll outline on the Sunday part, for all the cool kids are going to be listening, I will go for West, West Ham to be Palace. Lovely stuff. L little tease there for the Sunday show. Stinch? Yeah, another bet on Sunday for me, so definitely listen to that pod. Under two and a half goals in Aston Villa v Man United is chalked up as the outsider around about evens, but I, I think arguably it should be favourite. You know, I've got a lot of uh, issues offensively with suspensions, illness and injuries. And uh, Aston Villa will be the first game under Unai Emery, who's got a very good record at keeping United at arm's length. Ah, yes, he is their bet noir, isn't he? Of course, I'd forgotten about that. And Marco O'Hare, take us home. Well, obviously, all the coolest kids listen to the Saturday show, so I'll repeat a, <laughs> a, a bet we've already mentioned, which is both teams to score in Stenhouse Muir against East Fife. I like everybody at home just having an existential crisis. Am I cool? <laughs> Should I be cooler? What's going on? Do it. You need to listen to both shows is what they're saying. That's what the coolest kids really do. Now, that's all we have time for on this particular edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. On the Sunday show, we got previews of Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Roma, Lazio, Juventus, Inter, Betis, Sevilla. Why on earth would you want to miss that? From Stinch, from Mark, from Emmett... And from me, it's goodbye for now.